Hello and welcome to the world-famous Driving You Crazy podcast. I said podcast instead of podcast. That was very New England of me. When you are actually wearing a Patriots shirt. And a Red Sox hat. Oh, fantastic. This is the show where we talk all things transportation. Anything that gets you from here to there. I am the traffic anchor and transportation reporter for Denver 7 News, Jason Luber. And I am pedestrian advocate Joseph Peters. Pro-pedestrian, pro-cyclist, pro-scooter, anti-car. How anti of a car can you be when you took one to arrive here today? Silence. Nothing but silence. Uh, What's going on on the night shift? Uh, Hanging out. Just hanging out? Hanging out. There's nothing going on in the night side? Nope. All is quiet in the night? All is quiet in the night. Isn't there a uh, Glenn Fry song about that? Something like that? Uh, Sure. Uh, Coming up on the show, some listener mail. It's about how tough it is to be a truck driver. It's a bit of a pity party for one. Right. And uh, we will have that coming up in just a bit. I wish there was audio to accompany this, but unfortunately it's just a email rant. Perhaps we can get the sound of a very small violin playing. Maybe we could. That's a good plan. I can, I can do that. Uh, by the way, if you want to leave us a message, if you would like to hear yourself on this show, and who wouldn't want to hear themselves on this show, uh, we, there's, a, there's a great way to do that. Here is the phone number, 303-832-0217. That is the way to contact the show. You can just leave a message for us. We love to play the comments. Again, 303-832-0217. No annoying even waiting. It just says, boom, right into the message, and then you leave your message, and uh, and, and away we go. So that's how that works. Uh, also on the show today, we're going to have an interesting interview with Ross Pomery. I believe I'm pronouncing Ross's last name right. I'm notoriously bad at this. Ross wrote an article in Real Clear Science, and it's titled, Could Giant Airships Replace Cargo Ships? And it piqued my interest, especially when I saw the picture of this huge blimp-like thing. Not, not the old Hindenburg long blimp, but it was more of one of those shorter, stubbier blimps. And it was huge, enormous. And so I thought it was pretty fascinating of an idea, imagining these huge ships with these cargo containers either under it or in it or or hanging from it and then floating around and over your town and i thought all right well we got to figure out how how this all works is it like the movie up i mean is it all a little bunch of little balloons are we talking one giant no i think it's one giant balloon okay i think it's a giant airship that will then carry stuff I see. Uh, it, I, and I guess the size of the airship will determine how much stuff it could carry. But clearly it moves faster than a uh, water ship, right? Well, I think that's the question. Yeah. And I think the only reason it would work or go faster is because it is going on air currents rather than just uh, being propelled. Because I don't think you can propel it, uh, at, at least the blimp that I've been in, the Blockbuster blimp, back in uh, Super Bowl thirty three. Have I, to- have I told you that story about the Blockbuster blimp? No, but it was sponsored by Blockbuster, so that gives me an idea of how old it is. <laughs> exactly. Uh, it was it was for Super Bowl thirty three on my trip between Denver and uh, Miami for the last Super Bowl for John Elway, the one where they played the Falcons. So uh, I took this RV from Denver to Miami, drove and stopped in some of the hometowns of the Bronco players who were playing on the team at the time, talked to their families, did interviews, uh, did radio and TV reports, uh, made it to Atlanta on the Friday, that's who we were playing, and then made it down to the stadium on that Saturday. And uh, on Sunday, Super Bowl Sunday, I was supposed to just hang out in the parking lot 
uh, for the game. Uh, and before the game, I was able to go in the blockbuster blimp. It was super fun. It was a short, small blimp. Well, the guy, it was just me and the pilot. It was a, basically a private ride, which was super fun. And so we're flying up over the stadium, and he was telling me it's a lot like in a pot of boiling water. There are these air pockets, warm air pockets, that will push the, bl- the blimp up, and uh, then you hit a cool part of air, and you'll start sinking a bit. And he was able to just control it, but you're doing a lot of up and down like you're on waves in, in the ocean. Uh, and this one time, he said, all right, I want you to stand up. And there was a, a bar, a steel bar, that went across the top of the windshield. And so he said, hold on to that bar. And don't, and don't let go. He's, he was pretty adamant about not letting go. So I'm holding onto that bar, and, I, and I'm holding, and I have this old camcorder at the time because we didn't have cell phones, and, and nor did we have regular s- cell phone cameras, that sort of thing, mm-hmm. to record stuff or a GoPro. So I had this, this camcorder in one hand, and I'm holding onto this bar with the other hand, and he goes up, and we're right over the stadium. And w- we start to dive at a 45-degree angle down towards the stadium, and we're looking uh, what uh, what I thought was straight down at it. And I'm holding on for dear life because if I let go, that I'm going to go through that windshield oh, and God. zing, I am falling all the way, and then the Super Bowl is canceled, I'm sure. Because you can't have a dead guy right there on the field and then play the game. Can I mean, you? They wouldn't cancel it for you, man. They would just <laughs> cl- clean so? it up and the show goes on, right? <laughs> Get the shovel and play the game. That's not, that's not a knock on you. They wouldn't do it for me either. I'm just, you know. But that, that is my experience with blimps. Jeez, man. So that's I think fantastic. this is a little bit bigger than that. And, and well, anyway, we're going to talk to Ross all about it. We have a lot of questions for Ross, and, and he'll answer all these, all these questions and all these issues for us. And so we'll get it all figured out, and his interview will be coming up in just a little bit. Uh, who plays Pokemon Go anymore? No one. Yes, I would I would have said that too. However, there is one person, mm. and there's one person who's really adamant about playing the Pokemon Go. He is really, really, really into it. So when Sergeant Kyle Smith of the Washington State Police Patrol saw a driver parked on the shoulder of the road, he, he stopped to talk to the driver to see what was going on. But he found something a little surprising. What he found was eight cell phones right next to the driver in a homemade holder, all playing Pokemon Go at the exact same time. (laughs) The driver had cut out eight spaces in this blue foam, and each one of those spaces was filled with a smartphone. And each one of the smartphones had the game running at that same time. So he was collecting Pokemons or something, I guess, driving around trying to figure out the best path to collect the Pokemons, right? I guess. I, I don't know what the heck he was doing. So, so he, he told the driver, told the trooper, that he would just put the phones in the back seat because obviously that's a huge distraction and continue his commute with eight fewer distractions. But you know he was lying. You know he just did that, and as soon as the trooper got back in his car, that this guy took that foam panel of phones and uh, brought it back right next to him, and then we're driving around again. I mean, the big question is, how is this satisfying for anybody? You're staring at eight phones all day. What are you expecting, that you're going to catch a Charizard? That's not that big of a deal. A or at what? least it shouldn't be that big a of a char deal. A Char who? Charizard. I have, uh, you, yeah, you lost me. Oh, we finally found a pop culture reference that I know that you don't. Exactly. <laughs> that is, totally. I am not into the Pokemons. Well, I, look, eight, eight cell phones cost a lot of money. Where, oh, yeah. where are this man's parents besides paying for his cell phones and not monitoring his behavior? And he's probably on uh, on uh, not on Wi-Fi on any of these phones, right? Nope. So he's probably using the 4G and, and paying a whole ton of money to collect the whoever's? 
Char- Charizard. Are there other ones? Yeah, there's other ones. Oh, there's right. hundreds of other. But is ones. that the one? Is that the big one? I mean, that was the one when I liked Pokemon when I was nine. So, <laughs> well, <laughs> I didn't have Pokemon when I was nine. Lucky you. Yes, lucky me. All right, Joseph. Let me take you to Hicksville, New York. Have you ever been to Hicksville, New York? Have you ever heard of it? Uh, no, and no. Okay, police in the New York City suburb of Nassau County. They've arrested a fake cop who tried to pull over real detectives. <laughs> this guy sounded the horn, flashed his emergency lights in an attempt to pull over a van in Hicksville, Long Island. The unmarked van turned out to be occupied by detectives from the department's electronic squad. Didn't know they have electronic squad, but I guess they need to because of, well, electronic crime. Does it matter which squad it is if it's a van full of detectives? No, it does not. Uh, police say that one of the detectives identified themselves, approached the vehicle. The 25-year-old man swerved his Nissan Sentra. <laughs> which looks just like a police car, into oncoming traffic and sped to the Long Island Expressway. Police and highway patrol officers eventually pulled over that man, arrested him without incident. He's facing, obviously, charges including criminal impersonation and reckless endangerment. Terrible. Ter- just terrible work, man. What were you thinking? What a dope. Yep. In his Nissan Sentra? Yes. And to your point. Nothing looks more like a police car than a Nissan Sentra. My brother, when he had an alarm on his car, we were in high school, he had a white Honda Accord. And when he could turn on the alarm, usually you can't turn on your alarm while you're driving. Well, Correct. he could turn on the alarm while he was driving, so the lights were flashing and the horns honking, and it did act something like a, a police car. So he would do that occasionally. He didn't ever try to pull anybody over. He was just trying to be a, a goofball about it. Uh, and, and he would do that occasionally. Never got pulled over, never got arrested, which was a good thing because uh, times have changed. Yeah, you can't really do that anymore. No, you can't. There's a lot of things that I used to do as a high schooler that I can't do now. Well, physically and legally. <laughs> one of the major complaints I, though, hear from drivers is that no one's ever going to let them merge over or that people never can merge correctly. A- a- have you seen that as you're driving over here today? Yeah, daily. Yes. So here is one of those sign of the times stories for you. One driver in Los Angeles, he was so frustrated every day on his commute that he found an interesting way to navigate that nightmare that can be Los Angeles area traffic. The driver was seen holding a handmade cardboard sign. I think it could have been better written, but it was a hard uh, cardboard sign, and it said, please let me in. And so he would open up his driver's side window, hold the sign out there with his left arm, and uh, begging people to let him in, let him merge into the highway. And it worked. Good for him. And then the driver, after he was able to successfully merge... He flips the sign over, and the other side reads, thanks. So <laughs> at least he has some kind of an option. I think we should have cars. I always thought this. You, you Maybe you've seen them in the past. Some cars and you know businesses have that scroll that goes across a small bar, right? Yes. You can, you can read the words. that You can mm-hmm. type things in there, and it just scrolls. Around. I think you should have that in the back of your car. No. And that way you could type messages, and then they'll scroll across, and people behind you can read them. Nope. Nope, and that's then a you distraction, say, man. Well, of course it's a distraction, but hey, you might mate, it's always holding a sign out of your window. If I have the scores for every Major League Baseball game <laughs> yeah, just displayed, see? scrolling across the back of right. my car, are you going to be paying attention to the road, or are you going to be paying attention to Rockies Indians? Exactly. I know the answer. Yes, I do too. But hey, maybe it can be used for good as well as bad. Right? Maybe. I like it. Well, uh, uh, one of the major pl- complaints I always get on my Friday Facebook Live broadcasts is that people don't let people merge in. 
And I think this is a nice way of doing that. Now, uh, I, I'm, I'm sure that he is going to repeat repeatedly do this uh, because it's working for him. Now, at the time where it doesn't work for him and he gets into a crash, probably won't do it anymore, right? Uh, it seems reasonable, yeah. By the way, if you want to be a part of the Friday Facebook Live, you can. Uh, every Friday, 9 a.m. Mountain Time, you can tune in to Denver 7 Facebook page and, boom, ask me a question. You know, there's a, there's a lot of things out there. I, I, I had people checking in from all over the country uh, the last time we did it. Hell yeah, man. So we'll be here. You know, and, and you know what? How about this? If somebody that, that listens to the show, you say, and, and you check in on the, on the Friday Facebook Live broadcast from the Denver 7 Facebook page, uh, and you say that you're that you're watching, uh, that you listen to the show, and and that you're watching me now here on the Facebook Live, and, and you love the Driving You Crazy podcast. I, I will find a prize of some sort. I will dig up somewhere in the studio a prize for you. I don't know what it will be or where it will come from. I believe Jason is offering five thousand dollars of his own money to no, whoever I, checks in on the Facebook Live. We're right next to the uh, garage area. There's a uh, dumpster full of stuff that we've been throwing out. Cords and cables. I, I'm sure I could find something around the garage area or the loading dock that I can give out to somebody, right? Yes. Can't. I mean, couldn't I do that? Yes. Here's a nice extension cable. <laughs> I'll make sure I slap a Denver 7 sticker on it or something like that, right? But anyway, if you check in, it'd be great. It'd be nice to hear somebody from a podcast uh, checking out the uh, Friday Live Facebook. And again, that is every usually every Friday morning at 9 a.m. Not this that, not this week, actually. My my uh, cousin from Oregon, Adam, he's going to be here uh, tomorrow. Nice. And he's coming in from Oregon. He's going to go see his uh, sister who lives down in the Springs. We're going to go play golf on Friday. So uh, I'm off on Friday. I've completely forgot about that until is, right now. Is he Portlandia, Oregon, or like? Uh, oh yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, I kinda. I mean, Elon Musk wants us to go to Mars. I mean, maybe not us, you and me, but he wants to get people, humans, to Mars. But first, he wants to get us around Las uh, Las Vegas. You know how tough it is to get around Las Vegas. I know how tough it is to take Elon Musk seriously, too. And <laughs> it's tough to get around Las Vegas because all the people walking around, on, especially on the Strip from casino to casino, mm. you have some of those bridge areas, but there's still people walking along the Strip and you can't turn into the casino entrances. And, and for what it's, it's a worth, pain. Las Vegas has encouraged people to use the bridges and not just walk across the street all willy-nilly, but that hasn't stopped people. Right. I mean, it was such a regular occurrence to hear somebody got smoked on the on the strip because they were decided not to use a crosswalk. Well, the Las Vegas Convention and Visitors Authority wants Elon's boring company to design and construct an underground transportation option designed to move people underground around Las Vegas Better than they can move right now above ground. It's, it's a good idea. Get them underground rather than above ground. It stays cooler. They want a Vegas subway system. Yeah, They're trying much. to build a Vegas subway system. I mean, they tried a monorail. That did not work. So maybe underground will be better than above ground. Well, because the monorail is one rail. Uh, and then the other problem with that is that it only goes to a couple of places. It doesn't really go along the strip. Correct. Where it needs to go. It's useless. Right. It is one of the most useless pieces of technology in, in the country, I would say. Uh, I worry that this tunnel, Las Vegas would get one tunnel built. It would be on the strip. They would say, you know what? We're good. And you have the exact same problem where you have a subway line that only goes five places. 
Probably, because right now they have a plan to go from the airport to the convention center, down the strip, or under the strip, if you will, uh, and then over to the airport, and I think to one other place. So this is for all my people in Las Vegas. How are we going to get people from Spring Valley to the casinos? I think a lot of people would love to be able to go straight from their apartment to this trip, but they're not able to do that right now unless they want to take the bus. Why don't we build something underground for them? Why not connect it all the way to Summerlin and get them to Red Rock Casino and they can go from there? Go to Henderson. I mean, this is so typical Las Vegas to build something on the strip and just completely ignore the rest of the city that actually keeps that propped up. Or or build it out to uh, Laughlin. Build it out to uh, Reno. Okay, now we're getting ridiculous. Build it out to Area 51! (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Nobody wants to go to Reno. <laughs> Build it out to Pahrump. <laughs> there are people that want to go there. I did. Right? Yep. I do know why. Yep. Uh, but but I think th- th- that would cut down, if they did it right, cut down on congestion, obviously. It would be a uh, a novelty. It would be cooler than sitting in Las Vegas, 115 degree weather. But, but it wouldn't. Seriously, free consultation, Las Vegas. The people who are using, who are driving on the Strip, are the people who live there, not the people who are visiting. The people who would use this rail are the people who are visiting, not the people who would live there. Right. Well, it's the same thing with our uh, our tra- train line that goes to our airport. Right. It goes from between the airport and uh, downtown Denver. Most of the people that use that are either employees or people who are visiting our fair city. Yep. It's the same thing they talk about building a train up into our mountains, up to Vail. Well, the only people that would be using it are the families that are coming from Dallas into Denver International Airport and then getting on the train and then going up to Vail and enjoying their vacation. Right. And the question here is how are you going to help Coloradans? And the question there is how are you going to help Las Vegans? Right. Is that how you say it, Las Vegans? I don't think there's a proper way. <laughs> there isn't? No. Should there be a proper way? There should, but I just don't think there's an agreed-upon term for Las Vegans. They, they had estimated that if they can get this thing going underground and get it constructed, it could be constructed in the next two to three years. Elon Musk is so full of shit, sorry, but <laughs> two to three years. Okay, yeah. sure. Now, I, I, I was completely spe- uh, skeptical as you when I first heard that date. I said, there's no way. There's no way. There's no way. I mean, it's all sand. But sure, go for it. Let's, let's figure out the Hyperloop first. Uh, before we go underground under the strip, right? Yep. yep. So, well, from one tr- form of transportation underground to another form of transportation way above ground, most of the cargo that travels around the world right now travels by ship, gigantic ships. There are thousands of them right now in the oceans hauling huge steel cargo containers full of stuff traded between countries. But is there a better way to move all that stuff from here to there? How about up in the air? There's lots of space up in the air, right? There's an article by Ross Pomeroy in the Real Clear Science called Could Giant Airships Replace Cargo Ships? Well, I I was wondering, could they? I was curious, just like I'm sure you are. So I asked Ross if he would come on to the show here and explain this idea. Ross, thanks for being here on the world-famous Driving You Crazy podcast. Hey, Jason. Pleasure. Thanks for having me. So, Ross, who is floating this idea, pun intended? So this is uh, from researchers at the University of Vienna, and that is uh, excuse me, Applied University Institute of Applied Systems Analysis, Vienna, Austria. And uh, they're they're just wondering, yeah, if 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 there's a better way to transport all of the cargo we've got. You mentioned thousands of ships. Could this could there be a better way in a future society down the road? 
Joseph and I were talking about this. How big are these compared to the old airships that maybe people have thought about from the 30s and 40s? Yeah, we can we can go back even farther too. The one that of course everybody thinks about is the Hindenburg, and we know how that all ended up not too well. <laughs> and the Hindenburg was about it was about uh, three hundred meters long, and the ships that these scientists are envisioning are actually going to be about two point four kilometers, twenty four hundred meters, about eight times as long. And of course, they would uh, just judging by the length and the volume, they would just fold hundreds of times. Uh, more volume than their blimps. So these things would be massive, even bigger than the blimps you see today over traditional sporting events. That That's tremendous. Because uh, we saw, obviously, you mentioned the Hindenburg, and we saw what happened there in Lakehurst, New Jersey. I, I imagine that these are going to be filled with, with hydrogen, just like the Hindenburg was. So what keeps maybe these airships from going Hindenburg? Good question. So there's a point you raised of course, it's something that I thought originally when I found this paper is, you know, why not helium? Helium is much safer. It's uh, the big question. The big problem there with helium, though, is whatever. It's actually a pretty scarce commodity right now. It's used for a lot of scientific endeavors. It actually comes typically as a byproduct of of mining natural gas and other uh, minerals because the helium comes from these deep rock reserves that are very porous, and that's where all the helium in uh, the world is locked up. And, again, the problem right now is it's very expensive. However, hydrogen, on the other hand, big problem is that it's much more flammable, as we saw. However, it is far cheaper and actually far more buoyant than, than helium. It's much lighter. So if we can fill these, these, these blimps, these cargo ships, with hydrogen safely, then it can be much more uh, efficient. However, to answer your question, um, the one way we could make these ships much more efficient is by using some... It, it, back then, they were using really, really light and not very durable materials in the, the outer blimps themselves, and really basic stuff. This will probably use reinforced carbon fiber, stuff that's much much easier to puncture. There's even some research into adding some chemicals to make the hydrogen much less flammable, more stable as well. Yeah, I think it was static electricity that really brought down the Hindenburg. I believe that is right. And I, I would think that the technology now, compared to 100 years ago, is going to be better and figure out some of those problems. Yes, and one of the, one of the easiest things that uh, the scientists envisioned is making these, these, cargo, these cargo ships just completely autonomous. So there would be no humans on board. The only thing at risk would be the cargo itself. We're speaking with Ross Pomeroy about his article in Real Clear Science titled, Could Giant Airships Replace Cargo Ships? So how much, Ross, do you think that these ships could handle compared to the ships that are on the sea right now? So uh, the, the scientists actually estimated they could carry roughly 21,000 tons of cargo, which is actually comparable to about your average um, seafaring cargo vessel right now. However, uh, I don't envision these uh, airships getting much bigger. And uh, cargo vessels right now, some of them can be absolutely massive, I believe, as much as 100,000 tons of cargo. And also a big thing you want to consider, and one thing that wasn't mentioned in the scientist's paper, is the actual uh, cargo space. Because it's one thing to carry, you know, a certain tonnage of cargo. 
but you also need that volume because you could say you could carry a bunch of uh, you could take a bunch of stuffed animals from China and bring them to the U.S. They're not going to be that 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 massive, that heavy, but they are going to take up a lot of volume. So that's one thing I think we have to consider with this airship idea as well. Oh no, that's yeah, that's a good point, definitely to consider. And I, I would imagine that just like the blimps now, they are pretty much air propelled by by a fan. They they can't really go very fast in the air. So how is this going to be? economical or easily uh, able to these these airships how are they easily going to be able to get across from the united states to let's say europe uh, and do it quickly faster than a cargo ship would so that is a wonderful question jason and actually that is the one that actually makes the most scientific sense out of this paper uh, right now around the world there are global jet streams these are swift consistent air currents that are caused by temperature differences between the poles and the mid-latitudes. These are constantly flowing. If you think, think we have a jet stream across the United States right now that propels most of the weather systems going from west to east. So we see that traveling that way all the time. And uh, up in very high altitude, we're talking these airships would uh, be roughly 15, 10 to 15 kilometers up in the air uh, those winds can actually be pretty quick. These, so these airships to travel, I believe that the, the researchers mentioned as fast as uh, 100 kilometers uh, an hour. So that's significantly faster than seafaring cargo vessels. And uh, the researchers actually estimated that a trip stay from uh, Tokyo to Los Angeles would take an airship just four days, while a current uh, marine vessel takes 20 days. And this is actually... Uh, Pretty, uh, some pretty similar results to uh, for other cities around the world as well. So these could actually travel far faster than marine vessels. That's pretty remarkable. But I, I think that over the northern part of the world, everything north of the equator, the tr- jet stream winds pretty much go from west to east, and it can be the other way around in the southern hemisphere. So when I want to go from London to New York... Am I going to have to then go all the way around the world to do that? Uh, yes, these uh, these things only travel in one direction. So <laughs> I mean, it'll, yeah, so the the idea would be, you know, you'll you'll pick up one thing in in one in one country and then pick up another thing there and then move it back to the other direction. And you have to have lots of these airships as well. So uh, the the authors estimated as many as one thousand one hundred airships, including twenty five deliveries each per year and that's just a start and i guess the benefit here is that these airships would use less fuel than a cargo ship right so they would actually yes they, they would use uh less fuel obviously because they would simply be riding the currents uh, but the big the big the big way they can be more sustainable is actually just in using the hydrogen itself because um the researchers envision these airships being sustainable and economical in a hydrogen economy, basically where we're using a lot more hydrogen as fuel in cars, uh, even uh, power plants, and other other, uh, ways. So one big way these airships would be economical is not just in transporting material cargo, but in also transporting the hydrogen itself within their blimps. Oh, interesting. So So the hydrogen in the blimp is actually part of the cargo then? Correct, it is because there's a lot of a lot of new technologies coming out that we can sustainably and renewably produce hydrogen um, 
with, say, solar panels or even wind energy just by providing energy to split the hydrogen off from water molecules. we got H2O. We can separate the H from the O, and then we've got hydrogen. And then these can be, this hydrogen can be stored or used in fuel cells, and there are other ways of storage as well. And uh, we've, seen, we've seen in the past that these haven't really taken off. Hydrogen cars, very efficient and work very well. And these, the, this hydrogen is also used in, uh, uh, going to be increasingly used in uh, trucks for, uh, like, say, the end, 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 of, end of stream package delivery for, say, Amazon or USPS or FedEx. And it also, hydrogen is also heavily used in warehousing right now because it's actually provides a lot of power to these, uh, these lift vehicles that are used in warehouses. So hydrogen is, is an up-and-coming fuel, and it, it, but for these airships uh, to be economical, we need the hydrogen economy to really take off. So do you really think, just looking at this as you were researching it and reading through these papers, d- does it really seem like it's feasible, or is this just some kind of a pie-in-the-sky idea that, that would cost way too much to, uh, to build these things, to operate these things, and get people on board? Uh, for, for now, there, there's also just uh, simply one big problem, and that actually there's an archaic law in the U.S. which actually prohibits hydrogen airships. So after that, of course uh, there is. Disaster, Why wouldn't there? Yeah, <laughs> right. yeah the, the actual there is an actual law in the books that uh, says that hydrogen airships are prohibited. So obviously, until that's changed, there's not going to be much commercial interest this to take off. There are some there are some people out there who are optimistic that we can start seeing some proof of concept proof of concept hydrogen airships from the next five years, and I'm sure these uh, researchers are some of those those optimists. But for myself, as uh, you know, I've got to be a skeptical skeptical journalist as much as this is a cool idea, something I, I do enjoy reporting on and sharing with readers and spit thought fodder. I don't think this is something, honestly, we'll probably even see this century. Uh, because, frankly, just a lot of confluence of factors has to be there. Like I mentioned, the hydrogen economy really has to take off for this to be sustainable. We have to be using hydrogen in all sorts of areas, like the ones I mentioned, cars, power, uh, everywhere for this really to be economical. We are speaking with Ross Pomeroy. He wrote an article called Could Giant Airships Replace Cargo Ships? You can read it right now in Real Clear Science. Ross, did you find out how much one of these would cost to actually build and operate? And do you know what that would compare to a cargo ship of its same size? Uh, I did not, and frankly, the researchers didn't even go there in their paper because I'm not even sure they know. This actually could be surprisingly cheap because uh, um, obviously the materials could be produced en masse pretty easily. Um, you just got to produce the hydrogen. If that hydrogen is you being produced as a byproduct, um, theoretically in the future from all these renewable energy systems, uh, hydrogen can be produced very cheaply even today, and it could be even cheaper down the road. So really the, the input costs would just be the carbon fiber or whatever is being used to build the, uh, the outer uh, shell of the ship itself. So finally, for me, what was your reaction when you first came across this idea? Oh, I thought this would be great for a future sci-fi book if I ever write it. (laughs) I didn't didn't know you were working on your sci-fi books. (laughs) Oh, I'm not. You know, it's it's one of those things that's floating around there. But, you know, imagine, it's a fun fun vision. Imagine, Imagine just 
rows upon rows of airships riding these these currents, dropping off a huge cargo at uh, docking stations. It's a really it's a very it's a very cool vision of the future. Some I think it's fun to think about, but but if I'm being honest, I'm not sure if we'll see it anytime soon. All right. Ross, thank you so much for your time. We appreciate it. If you want to read this article, you can get to it in Real Clear Science. Search for Could Giant Airships Replace Cargo Ships? Ross, thanks again for being here on the world-famous Driving You Crazy podcast. Jason, pleasure. Thanks for having me. I think the airship idea is pretty interesting. I don't know if I would want to ride in one because it would go way higher than commercial aircraft right now. Right, right. Um. But he also said that it would go with the with the flow of uh, the jet stream. But I think you could also maybe motor it across the poles. Um, that's where the a lot of the uh, around-the-world flights or across-the-world flights, they actually use the curvature of the Earth. And so if you're not flying from here to uh, Moscow, just going around the Earth, I mean, you're going up north, and then you're coming back that way. Same thing if you're flying to Tokyo. I mean, you're actually going closer to the poles over Greenland and, and uh, Siberia, and then you're coming mm. back down. I mean, that's one thing we didn't talk about, is how is this going to contribute to climate change? If you figure that you're going to have all these airships, granted, 100 years from now, if you're going to have all these airships that are flo- that are flying at a higher piece of the atmosphere, and they're still giving off greenhouse gases to well, some no, extent. Well, no, not really, because they are floating on the jet stream. Right. I mean, I think that's the those are the hard mechanical questions that we didn't really get into, but you have to think that there's some sort of propulsion there. Right, well, there or at is least some. something to give off gases that are being put directly into the atmosphere at close range. Oh, so you're saying that it's worse for the atmosphere to put it that close. It's kind of like uh, if you were right next to the sun, it's a lot worse than if you were away from the sun. No, that's a bad example. That's a uh, great example. <laughs> yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. I would say it's the difference between edibles and smoke. It's great to have THC in your system, but it's one thing to eat them in a gummy bear, and it's another thing to put smoke directly into your lungs, which is proven to cause cancer. Do you know that this company doesn't condone that sort of activity? We're just talking about it. Just a conversation. But I see your point. Um, But then again, you also have to believe in the whole climate change thing. And and if it's man-caused or if it's caused by just natural processes. Mm -hmm. That's also another debate that we're Mm -hmm. not going to get into here. That's correct. Uh, We would like to answer as many listener and... uh, in my case, viewer mail as possible. And so when when messages come in, we we like to bring them here onto the show. So I have some feedback from someone who read my latest story on the denverchannel.com. It was about truck noise, specifically about truck engine brakes. Some people call them Jake brakes. It's that uh, rumbling sound they make. It's It's that I'm sure you've heard that sound from brake from truck. No, never. Yes, you have. Yes, you have. Oh no! I mean, when a truck is slowing down and they're using their engine. Sorry, I've heard the sound before. I haven't heard the the reconstruction of the sound that I just was witness to. It's a good sound, very Chewbacca esque. Anyway, the story goes on, my story, uh, on the DenverChannel.com, went on to explain what the engine brakes are and how they're muffled, and when they're not muffled, how loud they can actually get, and some of the mitigation uh, techniques that the Department of Transportation uses to make it quieter, and some of the terrain problems with sound in the canyons, uh, the amount of traffic that is now up there, congestion that we have up that way. Anyway, so, so the letter that I received is from Josh, and Josh writes... I have a solution to the truck noise that's been driving you folks crazy. It's really simple. Folks just need to stop buying things. From cars, building materials, clothes, and groceries, 
Delivering products that folks rely on daily is a pretty thankless job. You high society folks look at drivers as if they're some low-life scumbags. Every day someone is bitching about trucks for all the we put up with from the government down to the thankless folks. We still do our damn job, so you and everyone else have what you need. We spend days and weeks away from family, so you thankless folks have everything you need. No matter how unappreciated we are, we still keep this country moving. All for a big F you truckers. Next time, when you decide to write a bash trucker story, think of what I wrote. Something as petty as noise from an interstate. Signed, Josh. Well, Josh, I did not write a bash you trucker story, nor would I write a bash you trucker story. I have great respect for what the truckers do. I totally agree that truckers do a lot of thankless work. You are in the truck for long hours every day. You have to deal with frustrating situations on the road that commuters only get a taste of, either in the morning or the evening. However, no one is forcing you to be a truck driver, right? If it was such a bad job, then very few people would be doing it. There are lots of people doing it, and they do it well, and they enjoy doing it, including you, Josh. I'm sure that you are making a decent living as a truck driver. If you weren't, you would be doing a different job. You'd be doing something else. You would be doing something that was more thankful, right? And if you're doing something else, you would probably still feel that it would be a thankless job as well. A lot of people want to be thanked. Not everybody gets thanked for doing their job. I've heard the same argument from tow truck drivers when I was doing a story about the move over law and how the tow drivers are writing in saying that they have the most dangerous job in the history of jobs and the most thankless job in the history of jobs and that they deserve more respect and more money. Again, if the job is so terrible, then go do something else. Right? I mean, seriously, obviously you seem to like your job because you're still doing it and you're probably pretty good at driving the truck. I don't know if you're qualified to do anything else, but obviously you're qualified to drive a truck, and you seem to uh, be not thanked for it. I'm sorry for that, sir. But guess what? You're still doing it, and that's fine. But stop whining and moaning about it when it's your choice to show up to work every day. You don't have to. You could do something else. I could do something else. We could all do something else. It could be worse. You could be the guy who has to empty all the contents of the porta potty. You could be on a waterline repair crew in the middle of winter when it's icy and cold. Imagine that. You could be a mosquito repellent tester using your own arm as bait. You could be a hazmat cleaner at a crime scene or have to clean up after an unattended death. I've seen those pictures on Instagram and they are gruesome. Ugh. There are many jobs out there that are, are much worse than being a truck driver. And many people have jobs that are thankless. How many people are going about their daily lives right now, whether they're a barista over at Starbucks or a computer software developer or the people who are building the new studio in our building right here? Should they be thanked every second of the day for doing their job? I'm rarely thanked for doing my job. I get more work piled on me all the time. But I also have the option to say, uh, no thanks, and I'll go do something else, like go drive a truck, where I will still not get thanked for doing my job. 
a job that I've actually considered doing at one point in my life. Everybody likes to be appreciated. I get that. Your family appreciates what you're doing for them. The world runs on trucks. We get it. Yes, I completely agree with you. And if we didn't have people like you, Josh, to drive trucks and deliver freight, then we would all be hungry and thirsty, and without our two-day Amazon delivery package, go have coffee with any newsroom producer in the entire country, any line producer, especially in the smaller cities. You're going to find tons of people who say they are doing thankless work for less money than you can get by driving a truck. So pipe down with your woe is me stuff, Josh. Get back out there delivering our gas or Pop-Tarts or whatever in that trailer you have running behind you. And thank you. Thoughts? Look, man, there's a lot of jobs where you don't get a thank you every day. And that's really the only point that I had to make on it. Nobody's entitled to a thank you for doing your job. That's what the paycheck's for. I'm right, though, about line producers. You're right about every job. You're right about teachers. You're right about nurses. You're right about plumbers. You're right about every single job in this country. There is not a job where you get paid in thank yous. And if there is, it means you probably don't get paid in dollars. Right. And that's just the way it is. Everybody wants to make more money. Everybody wants to make as much money as as Elon Musk, your favorite guy. But we all can't be there. We all can't be Steve Jobs. We also have to have regular jobs. And unfortunately, that's life. But thank you, Josh. Thank you for delivering all the groceries and all the things that you are delivering because I appreciate it. Mm -hmm. I'm sure everybody else that has picked up those items appreciates it as well. But stop whining about it! That's all I got to say about that. That's all I got. So I think I'll end the show on that there, Joseph. Very nice. Very nice. I think that was a, uh, a good program today. I agree. I, I love the uh, idea of the uh, airships. That was a great interview and and uh, the whole truck thing. Yeah. No more airships. No more airships. Let's let the airship idea die in peace. <laughs> well, thanks again for being here. If you want to reach out to the show, 303-832-0217. That is the phone number to contact us and leave us a message. You can also get us on Twitter. I'm at Denver7Traffic. And you are? Uh, Joseph Denver 7. Because you never do that anyway, so don't even bother. Thanks again for listening. Uh, and until next time, I'm Jason Luber, the traffic guy. I'm not really a Twitter guy, Joseph Peters. <laughs> Be safe, as always. I figured you were going to do something about airships. <laughs> Happy motoring.